Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sex Ed Podcast. This is Kaylee. And I'm Jen. This week, I'm going to be talking to Jen about their journey to find gender identity and expression. Buckle up. We're going to get to hear all about the wonderful Jen, and I hope you enjoy. Jen. Hey. Hello. Hello. So we normally ask all of our guests their pronouns and sexuality. And I know that we Mm -hmm. asked you yours at the beginning of season one. Way a long time ago. But why don't we do a little refresher? Because they can change. Yeah. They're so fluid. So what are your pronouns and sexuality? Yeah. My pronouns are they, them, and or she, her used interchangeably, however you want. My sexuality is queer. I think I said bisexual before and it's it's generally bisexual, but <laughs> yeah, I think that that's more fluid yeah. as well. So I kind of just like queer. I've been enjoying queer as an umbrella term. Mm. That's yeah. It's also kind of a way to be like, I'm queer, but I don't want to go into detail. <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone. I just enjoy that. It also means weird because I mostly just feel like a little weirdo. <laughs> so queer, queer it is. I love it. Okay. So you mentioned that your pronouns are they, them or she, her. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to discovering your gender identity? Yeah. I, you know, it had been in the back of my mind for several years, probably that I didn't feel like how I was presenting as as cisgender like really encompassed who I was as a person. And there were a few experiences that that led me there. I think what made me confident enough to start telling people I wanted to also use they them pronouns was I was in a sex shop in San Francisco. Good mm-hmm. vibrations, shout out, love them. Classic. <laughs> and the store worker who was helping me referred to me as they to Mm -hmm. another store worker. And that was the first time someone had done that. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) like that's, that feels different. Yeah. That feels good. I think I like that. Right. And it was just like, shout out to that random employee. Like I didn't get your name. I didn't thank you, but thank you. (laughs) It was just like a, a, I don't know, like an act of solidarity from a stranger to not assume my gender because I do present very femme as well. Like I am cis passing for sure. So that was when I started to be like, well, I think I like that feeling. So, and then even then it took me like months to put that pronoun, you know, like in my profile or to tell Mm -hmm. people that that was my pronoun. So that was kind of a long time coming, but I guess before that I'd started to kind of question my gender man, I don't know. I guess I've always felt that there are parts of me that are very masculine and parts of me that are very feminine in the way that I dress and the activities that I do. And I, you know, I don't really like ascribing gender or like masculine or feminine traits to clothing or activities or things. Cause obviously anyone and everyone can enjoy anything and everything. <laughs> but I think that that was more about how I felt about myself mm-hmm. as a person. And then I think what really shifted the paradigm of gender in my brain was after watching a documentary called The Mask You Live In. Mm-hmm. It came out in 2015. I think I watched it probably around that time, 2015, 2016 or so. And it's really a documentary mostly about masculinity and how masculinity 
for a lot of boys and men feels like a mask that they have to hide behind. They're putting uh-huh. on like a tough exterior. They can't cry. They can't show emotion. They can't have platonic friends because they might be gay if they like hug them or whatever <laughs> it is. So that's, that's a very general overview of it. It's an excellent documentary. I, I definitely recommend. I think it still holds up five, seven-ish years later. Mm-hmm. But there was this section in there where they talk about what quote unquote normal behavior is for girls and what normal behavior is for boys. Typically when you're charting normality, quote unquote, in like a set of behaviors or in a a set of statistics, you can put it on a bell curve. Mm -hmm. And most normal behavior or or normality in the set of data falls somewhere in the middle of the of the bell curve, if you picture like a large arc or curve. And then the abnormal or outlier behavior in the set of data sort of falls on either end. And that means that the least amount of people display that behavior. So if you have a bell curve for normal behavior of boys and normal behavior for girls, and you overlap them, the vast majority, like 95% of behavior is shared between boys and girls. (laughs) Like the things that we think of stereotypically masculine and feminine, like pink is for girls and blue is for boys and toy kitchens are for girls and trucks are for boys. Mm -hmm. Those are at the very, very outlier ends of the bell curve of normal behavior. So it made me realize that like people are just fucking people, right? <laughs> and the the expectations we we have of gender are we're really placing on people. Like yeah. gender is a construct. It's socialized. Yeah, yeah. So I started to say that a lot. <laughs> like gender is fake, gender isn't real. And then I kind of realized that gender Gender is very real for some people. Some people like their gender and want to live in that role, and that's totally a-okay and fine. But it made me realize that for me, gender is not real. Gender is fake. (laughs) And I don't think that gender, like I said, really encompasses who I am as a person. I feel like who I am sort of transcends gender and concepts of gender. So I think I don't have a lot of use for it. (laughs) So I identify or I am non-binary because of that. That's amazing. Thank you. I really like that. So once you made that decision and started telling people, Mm. did your life change? What does it mean to you to be non-binary? I didn't come out all at once. I really like tested the waters. Like (laughs) I started telling other people who were queer or non-binary because I kind of felt like that was a safer place. Some of my friends who listen to this podcast and noticed that I came out in the first season <laughs> asked me about it. And I had sort of just come out less than a year before. And they asked me, a lot of them asked me like why I was non-binary or what made me feel that way. Yeah. And I didn't really have the language to describe it at the time because no one had ever asked me why I was cis when I was still thinking that I was cis. So that kind of made me feel some type of way, like less valid maybe that I couldn't really describe why I was non-binary. But I also think that this experience and like being more comfortable and being non-binary and being out for longer has let me feel more comfortable and being more like fluid mm-hmm. and maybe not having all of the answers and all of the language. I've been non-binary for, I guess, I guess my entire life. Being out is a different story, but Mostly it just feels pretty good. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about the process of of learning about mm-hmm. non-binariness? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I started reading like critical gender theory and queer theory on the internet as soon as I found the internet and was like, <laughs> oh no, I like girls. I have feelings for people who aren't boys. So <laughs> I obviously knew a bunch of queer people. I knew trans people. I knew gender nonconforming people. So I had good role models, I would say. But I think some of the formative texts for me figuring out that gender <laughs> was fake for me. <laughs> One is a book called Stone Butch Blues, written by Leslie Feinberg, uh, which is free on the internet. The uh, author, when they passed away, said they said Z wanted to be remembered as like a radical communist and wanted their work to be free. So Z put it online for people to just consume for free. That's so sick. I know. <laughs> that story is about a person who was assigned female at birth and then transitioned to male. And that didn't really feel right for them either. So they stopped taking hormones and kind of lived in a gender nonconforming body and presence. And so the the story kind of follows them through that journey. And I think I kind of saw myself in the sort of last phase of their transition, which was being gender nonconforming, have char having characteristics of lots of different sexes, lots of different genders. I thought that story was really beautiful. It's fiction? It's fiction, but based on the author's life. Yeah. What fiction isn't, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. That sounds amazing. I'm, I definitely want to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. It was written in the 90s. It's really, it was like one of the earliest texts about being non-binary as we would probably know it today. And the author's pronouns are Z? 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 Z and Zer. I think that's how you pronounce it. Z. Okay. You mentioned that you found some of these resources when you were mm -hmm. questioning your sexuality. Would you say that yeah. your journey to gender identity was coupled with your journey to finding your sexuality? I actually kind of think that they're wholly different. I think that I knew I was attracted to all genders of people like very early on. And in some ways that was a lot clearer to me, like, you know, seeing a woman on television and being turned on is like very clear, right? Even if I didn't want it to be, even if I was like, no, stuff those things down. <laughs> so I kind of, I definitely came out as bisexual and, you know, was comfortable being queer in my sexuality well before I came out as non-binary or even realized I was non-binary. Yeah. And I think that that's an important distinction. I think some people don't understand how sexuality and gender identity and gender expression can be different. So I guess I can define that for you if you yeah, want to. <laughs> that would be helpful. Yeah. So sexuality is essentially who you're attracted to sexually, romantically, emotionally, perhaps even. Gender identity is who you feel you are, like what you feel your gender is. Gender expression is how you express your gender. So for example, I am non-binary. That's my gender. My gender expression, as I've said before, is very femme. So I wear a lot of makeup. I wear dresses and very feminine clothing and present very feminine. And like I said, I'm, I'm certainly cis passing, but I'm not cis. I'm non-binary. <laughs> so hopefully that's a little clearer. Yeah. Do you ever struggle with feelings of not feeling non-binary enough? 
Oh, absolutely. I think the representation of a lot of non-binary people is very, very thin, wayfish almost, androgynous. So having, you know, a very angular body, it's almost always white as well. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of non-binary representation to Mm -hmm. begin with, and there's even less representation of people of color. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people think non-binary is like between man and a woman, which can be the case for some people. Yeah. But I also think that gender is not, like when you think of non-binary between man and a woman, you're still thinking in very binary terms, right? Maybe maybe the spectrum is a little stretched out now. 0.5. <laughs> right, right. Man on one end, woman on the other end, and non-binary somewhere in the middle. And, and while that's true for some people, my view of gender is like a lot more expansive than that, a lot more fluid than that. It's not so much for me personally, like I feel like I'm the middle of man and woman. It's that mm-hmm. I honestly just feel like gender has nothing to do with who I am as a person. I can do without it. Yeah. You don't want to identify with either or yeah. anything. Yeah. It's yeah. not an important characteristic. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely feel not non-binary enough. <laughs> Jesus, there's so many, it's hard so to many say. words to say. A lot. <laughs> you feel too binary. <laughs> too binary. I'm super binary. Like I see a lot of people ask androgynous people their pronouns a lot. And I certainly have fallen into this trap. It's not a, a bad or wrong thing to do, but Everyone assumes my pronouns. Yeah. <laughs> there have been very, very few people who've asked me my pronouns just in life. And I, my assumption is that that happens for very masculine people as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely feel that way a lot. But um, I just do the same thing that I tell myself when I don't feel queer enough, which is that I am queer enough. And I have a little mug that says fems can be thems too. <laughs> so I just drink a tea out of that. And then suddenly you are non-binary enough. <laughs> yes, it's magical. Magical elixir. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I have a quick question about something you said earlier. Yeah. So you're talking about androgyny. Would you say that that's a gender expression? Yeah, androgynous can be a gender expression. And, you know, masculine and butch can be a gender expression. Like, can I be cisgendered and androgynous? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Lots of people are like, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I mean, there are plenty of, you know, straight cis women who are quote unquote tomboys, right? Okay. I think it's, (laughs) I honestly think it's a lot easier for cis women, perhaps, or people who are assigned female at birth, born with female genitalia to be androgynous or perhaps even more masculine than it is for people assigned male at birth or men to yeah. wear a dress or wear a skirt or wear makeup. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think there are lots of ways that people can and would love to express their gender and society yeah. should just fucking let them. It seems to be changing, I think a little bit with yeah. the younger generation, which I feel like I say that all the time on this podcast. <laughs> uh, and the you know, to be fair, I'm not youths. very keyed into the younger generation. I'm just <laughs> saying what I see when what I... You see venture onto TikTok, which is yeah. early. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about pronouns. So you said your pronouns are they, them, or she, her. Mm-hmm. I have seen out, you know, either talking to guests or out in the world, a big combination of pronouns that seem to be a little bit confusing. Yeah. So I say she, her. I've seen <laughs> people say they, them. Or Mm -hmm. they, she, or she, they, Mm -hmm. which I think even just 
grammatically has confused me because she slash them implies to me that you're okay with she or they. Mm-hmm. But then when I say mine is she, her, that seems to be like a different, I always want to say conjugation, but that's not the right word. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know. Again, pronouns are like very fluid. So I don't, there's no like <laughs> right way to do pronouns. I mean, the full set of pronouns is, you know, she, her, hers. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a shorthand of that. I think it's also to denote that you only use one set of pronouns. She, yeah. Hers and not, you know, multiple sets. I think that there's also like different pronouns that people use that are sort of conjugated differently, like Z and Zer, mm-hmm. or you might use Z and her spelled H-I-R. So there's ways to denote that you might use different pronouns, which is why there's the slash and people use to usually to tell people what mm-hmm. they use. Yeah. So if, if I'm out in the wild and I see they, she, or she, they... He, mm-hmm. they, they, he. <laughs> yes. Any any combination of multiple pronouns. Is that then just an indication that I should try my best to just kind of go between them? Yeah, I think that that depends on the individual. I, I don't think there's anything wrong in asking what are your pronouns and they'll tell you. And if you need clarification mm-hmm. to say, so, you know, do you prefer one over the other or is are them mixed together fine? It's a pretty safe bet if you see he, they, for example, you can either use he, him, his, or they, them, theirs Mm -hmm. without offending anyone. (laughs) Yeah. I think knowing that that's a shorthand, I think really helps clarify it a little bit. You said earlier that pretty much no one ever asks you your pronouns right off the bat. And that kind of leads me to a question of how can people be good allies to non-binary people and maybe yeah. that includes people that aren't obviously visually non-binary. <laughs> yeah, I would just say don't assume what people are based on what they look like. I mean, not every situation is going to lend itself to you asking someone's pronouns. You know, you might ask them privately. Mm. Asking them in public can be, you know, like if you're in a meeting or something can be a little hit or miss. Like maybe they are not ready to come out, maybe they are cis and you know, I want to use you know, he, him, or she, her pronouns. And and that's not to say like, there are plenty of non-binary people who also use she, her, and he, him pronouns. So pronouns are also not necessarily an indicator of someone's gender. That's an interesting point I hadn't thought about, about how asking someone their pronouns in a public space might be uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. my thinking was you should always ask everyone their pronouns, but yeah, maybe that's not the right thing. Yeah, I think like read the room and read the situation. I think it sets a good example if you share your pronouns or you list your pronouns, especially if you're a cis person in Mm -hmm. social media profiles in work emails, et cetera, to sort of make this space safer for maybe someone who feels uncomfortable sharing their pronouns or is unsure if it's a safe space for queer people to do that. I think also if you know someone who's non-binary, maybe someone in your family has come out as non-binary or trans or different gender. I think the first thoughts people have are to understand and to like question them. I don't necessarily think that's very helpful, even though I, I do think it comes most times from a good place of like wanting to understand this person. But as I said, in my experience, I didn't have the language to tell people that Mm -hmm. like why I was non-binary and it made me feel more invalid as a non-binary person. So 
you know, meeting that person where they're at and knowing that they probably need your love and support more than they need you to exactly understand every little detail about their sexuality is really important. And if you're going to ask someone about their gender or their sexuality, I would first ask yourself, it's like really necessary for you to know to continue to be in relationship with that person, even if it's a family member or a close friend. If you're going to be sexually intimate with that person, maybe you need to know a little more. But I would say that there might be things you don't understand about someone else's gender, and that's okay. You don't have to. But making sure that they feel supported and loved is probably the most important thing for someone who's just come out. Leading with support and love. And you can also do internet research. There's probably a version of when someone you love is non-binary or when someone you love is trans, you know, there's got to be something like that, that you <laughs> definitely, can definitely look at and learn how to be loving and supportive to someone. I mean, honestly, the things you probably need to know for someone who came out as trans or non-binary are what are your pronouns and is there yeah. another name you want me to call you? Those are probably the first good starting questions. And then making sure they know that you're a place that they can come to if they want to talk but interrogating them is probably not super helpful, even though you might just be genuinely wanting to understand them. That's incredibly helpful. Do you have any advice for people who maybe don't know any non-binary people, but still want to be supportive in the space? Yeah. You know, supporting queer and non-binary creators in the sex education space in, in any other space where they exist, which is every space, spoiler alert, and demanding and watching consuming media that has good non-binary representation. Mm -hmm. There isn't a lot of that at the moment, (laughs) but I think that that is also slowly but surely getting better as well. I think that's probably why I didn't realize right away or sooner perhaps that I was non-binary because I think I was sort of coming of age at a time where it was more and more acceptable to have queer people, bisexual people, gay people, whatever the case was in media. So I did have some representation and some people to kind of be like, oh, that's me (laughs) when I saw that. But there were absolutely no non-binary people in a lot of the media that I grew up with. And even even now, there's not a lot. Right. I was going to say that too. I mean, when I was in high school... I had a gay friend. I had I knew mm-hmm. someone that was a girl that was bisexual. I'm sure there were plenty more than that, but just statistically <laughs> there had to have been. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty more, I'm sure. More people that hadn't <laughs> realized it about themselves yet. But my point is that it was common enough that there were some people who identified that way, but like I didn't know the word non-binary for way longer. Yeah. I mean, not to say that it didn't exist, but I don't know that it existed in pop culture it might have been more towards people that were interested in gender Mm -hmm. and sexuality yeah yeah for sure i'm trying to think of some non-binary representation i think the only thing i can really think of that is like a positive really good representation of non-binary-ness is um steven universe which is technically a, a kid's cartoon but deals with a lot of like more adult themes it's on cartoon network the premise is, let me see if I can explain this without it sounding fucking crazy. <laughs> These extraterrestrial beings that are made of light, but like contain or present themselves in a physical form that's usually coded as female. They come to earth and they kind of like adventures ensue and they like meet humans and 
one of the gems has like a baby with a human and that is Steven, Steven Universe. So he's like part gem and part human. Ooh. Anyway, all of the gems are non-binary or genderless, though they are coded and present as female. That's cool. And then the gems can combine to create like stronger gems. <laughs> so Steven, since he's part gem, he is able to combine with one of his friends and together they make a character called Stevani and they're canonically uh, non-binary they are you know his friend is female and he is male so they combine and they create this non-binary character called stevani that has characteristics that are more masculine and more feminine and people are like enthralled with this character and they like want to get to know them and date them and i think that was like one of the first (laughs) not only good representations of non-binary people but like also representation of a non-binary person being desired and Mm -hmm. being sexy as much as you can be sexy in a a child's cartoon there's no like overt <laughs> sexual themes but right. you know like they're definitely presented as like hot mm-hmm. popular and desired yeah that's so cool i've heard of that before but i've yeah. never seen it is it worth watching yeah. as an adult yes it absolutely is i binged the fuck out of it when i first watched it <laughs> i'm gonna check that out I too <laughs> you know this kind of got me thinking when i was saying mm-hmm. you know non-binariness might be, have been more popular in the sexuality space before reaching more of pop culture. And I wonder if that's because, you know, if you're at all involved, if you've ever spent time thinking about your sexuality, which I think a lot of straight people probably haven't, maybe Mm -hmm. some have been like, oh my God, am I gay? No, I'm not. Okay, cool. But (laughs) it's kind of just a newer thing to really have a larger amount of the population even mm-hmm. spend a second to think about their sexuality. So maybe yeah. if I'm thinking about your sexuality, that might prompt you to also think about other things that society just tells you is the case, you know? So maybe it's healthy for everybody to spend a little bit of time thinking about their gender identity. Yeah. Reading Stone Butch Blues, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's interesting that our as as a collective society our consciousness around gender has really changed. Like if you think back to like the Stonewall riots for example, many people who started those riots who fought for our rights were trans women of color. Though at the time they were called drag queens mm-hmm. or just queens, right? There they were very much viewed as men who dressed up as women even by the queer society at the time who wanted them out of the official like rights movement who sort of banned them from the, the pride parades and the organization around that very early on until around the AIDS crisis where many of them were obviously being affected by AIDS and many of them continued to fight for queer rights and stuff. So I think now we understand that drag queens are probably very different from trans people, though there are certainly trans drag queens and whatnot. <laughs> you know, over time, language and understanding changes around these things. And I also want to note that this is like a very Western view as well. Like non-Western societies, Native Americans, you know, ancient Greeks, um, Asian societies um, had and made room for third genders or or multiple different genders as well. Mm-hmm. So non-binary people or gender non-conforming people have been around for forever. And I think Western society and Western views are now starting to understand it a little bit better. Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree with you that when you question your sexuality, maybe you should also ask yourself, am I really a man or a woman <laughs> or am I a different gender? 
You bring up an interesting point too about multiple genders, not just male Mm -hmm. and female existing for a long time, because I think sometimes people might assume that when people are identifying as non-binary, they want to abolish all concepts of gender Mm -hmm. instead of making room for more fluidity in it. Yeah. I mean, I would love to abolish all forms of gender. (laughs) Just kidding. I, I understand that gender is important to, to many people. I hope that our understanding of gender continues to grow and expand, like you said, and is inclusive and not exclusive and not about destroying things, but about making, making more room for people to be whoever the fuck they are. Yeah. In some ways that I guess would be abolishing gender, but I think it's a good thing to abolish societal norms based on Mm -hmm. gender for sure. Yeah, It's never a good thing to speak in absolutes, which is a hilarious sentence because I just did. (laughs) But saying all men do this, all women do this, all non-binary people do this. That's not good. (laughs) No, don't start that. (laughs) Don't, don't refer to me. I don't have any pronouns. I am nothing. I do have a few questions I wanted to ask that are unrelated to this. Yes. If someone is non-binary, doesn't that automatically exclude terms like bisexual, lesbian, or gay? Because... No! <laughs> well, so if... if No, I mean, that's a fair answer. I'm, sorry. I'm just curious because if, if, I, if one person is non-binary, then doesn't gay typically mean hmm. male to male? How does that work? It can. It can. I think that people having the right to self-identify is the most important thing here. Mm -hmm. So even if it doesn't make perfect sense that this non-binary gender person is, you know, Mm -hmm. saying they're gay, like I say, I'm gay a lot and I'm barely half gay. So, uh, (laughs) you know, like words, (laughs) words and their meaning change in the context, mm-hmm. they change over time. I think that a non-binary person calling themselves gay or lesbian is perfectly acceptable and mm-hmm. accurate. You know, like maybe that person did identify or they were, they thought they were cis for a while. They were cis for a while mm-hmm. and gay felt the best to them. Lesbian felt the best to them. They continued to use that descriptor of themselves after they came out. Or maybe they wanted to start using queer you know, maybe lesbian is a indicator that they do yeah. only date women or gay is an indicator that they do only date men. So again, I think that's up to the person specifically and probably probably not something you need to know unless you're yeah, like going to be romantically or sexually involved with that person. Totally. And I, I think I really like your answer because I think a lot of the point of this is that humans really like to categorize people. We like, we like to categorize gender Mm. and sexual expression. And the whole point of this is not to say I'm neither one of those two. You have decided there are male and female. I'm in a whole other paradigm motherfucker. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really interesting. So it's all about picking I guess if you're being forced to pick a label, you're picking labels that feel the best to you in that moment, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's mm-hmm. why the labels exist, right? <laughs> like they're trying to 
allow people to identify a certain way. And honestly, for all the people out there who like, there are too many labels, I can't remember exactly what the things are. Well, then you know what? (laughs) This will be good for you. Like no more specifically labeling people. Just ask what the fuck they are if you need to know it. Yeah, exactly. I love that. (laughs) So from a sex education standpoint, yeah, how do you feel like sex education could be more inclusive of non-binary people and maybe also help cisgendered people consider their gender? Well, I think having queer inclusive sex education is a challenge, you know, just getting people to talk about forms of sex that are not like mm-hmm. penis and vagina is like one thing. Getting people to not be shamed about sex is one thing. So we've got to like get over those hurdles. You know, even being able to learn about gender in sex ed would be helpful, even terms like cisgender, transgender, non-binary, you know, might open Mm -hmm. a door for some people and and will definitely legitimize those things being real. I think the way we talk about sex and body parts and assuming that men have these body parts and women have these body parts can also be excluding. So I think having more ambiguous language perhaps around genitalia and which genitalia belongs to which gender, Mm -hmm. for example, and including like assigned male at birth and assigned female at birth as terms as well would would allow people to perhaps expand their knowledge. So I think, again, like most sex ed is not inclusive (laughs) in general, not inclusive of many times different you know, not only different genders, but different sexualities, sometimes different, even different races yeah. of people, as we've discussed. So I think any steps to get it more inclusive are good. Yeah. <laughs> good by me. Okay. So I've noticed that you've used the words non-binary and trans, not quite interchangeably, mm-hmm. but along yeah. the same level. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit more? So... Trans is an umbrella term for people whose gender differs from the one that they were assigned at birth. Mm -hmm. So non-binary is also an umbrella term, but it falls under the trans umbrella term. Interesting. Technically speaking. I did not know that. Yeah. I I didn't know it until kind of recently either. And I I sort of had like a moment of like, I'm not trans, (laughs) right? And I think (laughs) I, I had to unpack that because... I guess I was thinking more that like, I was honestly thinking more along binary lines of transgender people. Like, you know, they might be born male and they transition to female and it's kind of accompanied by this sense of dysphoria. Like you are not who you are supposed to be. But obviously trans people have lots of different experiences. Some of them never transition and they shouldn't be defined by their struggle of dysphoria, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm coming to terms with being trans as well. I think I am saying trans and non-binary because I want to be as inclusive as possible. And and I think that there are definitely lots of shared experiences between trans people and non-binary people. Um, I also learned that the white stripe on the trans flag is for non-binary people. So, hi. Oh, you have a stripe. I have a stripe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm included. (laughs) So if somebody listens to this and decides that they want to take a minute to examine Mm -hmm. their gender identity and gender expression. What advice do you have for doing that? Good fucking luck. (laughs) (sighs) Well, I think I've mentioned it several times, but I think starting with Stone Butch Blues 
is well, it's where I started. I think it could be a good place for people to start. I think, you know, there are so many accounts online of people who have transitioned. So, you know, trans people, people who are non-binary, I think exposing yourself to other people who mm-hmm. are of differing genders can help you kind of see how people live their lives and how people have realized they are trans or non-binary can kind of connect some dots for you, for example. And I think, you know, talking to other queer people or maybe not necessarily queer people, maybe cis people, you know, as well, cis straight people who you feel safe talking to is a good place to start. Yeah. I did a lot of thinking alone and I kind of wish that I hadn't, I didn't have to be as alone. I was kind of scared. So you know, be safe, but you also don't have to be scared. There are resources out there. There are people who love you. I think that trans and non-binary people are a gift to this world. And so oh, you are loved. And I think that too. Yay. My brain is going a million miles a minute now. I, f- I feel like I've learned so much in the last... So many things. In this past conversation we've just had. Good. I'm glad. You know, I've I've spent very little time reckoning my gender. I usually just go like, I feel female. And then I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One day it might be like, oh no, I don't feel female. Well, That's what I definitely would not be bothered at all if someone used they them pronouns on me. Mm-hmm. I probably need to spend more time thinking about that. Yeah. But. I tend to say they and she, neither of them feel bad. I would say that most of the time they feels more euphoric for me mm-hmm. and she doesn't feel dysphoric. The way that like he, him, if you would feel dysphoric if someone called me that. So yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Well, I love that gender identity and gender expression can be fluid. And I think the idea is that everyone should spend time considering their gender. And if they find that they identify with a different gender or non-binariness, no gender, or I don't know if non-binariness is no gender, is it? Yeah, so there's there's a gender which is having no gender. That's a type of being non-binary. There's lots of different genders that fall within non-binary. Um, okay. Some I identify with more. Some that I feel describe me more, and some that I feel describe me less. But then you get caught up again in this like label situation when you're like, okay, I'm 17 different labels, and I just <laughs> I did this because I didn't fucking care. I didn't yeah. want to be labeled. I didn't want to have gender placed on me. So. Um, I just go with my binary and yeah, that's that. I like that. So, you know, we all have homework. We all have to go consider our genders. <laughs> and if we come up with the one we thought we were, great. If we come up with non-binary or anything else, great. Or a big old blank. <laughs> yeah. Great. The idea is that it should be what feels right to you and yeah. not what society puts on you. Love it. Love it. Well, Jen, thank you so much for sharing all of this. I know that would probably felt like a very vulnerable conversation to have in a public sphere. Yeah, I haven't really shared all of this before, but I've had time to think about it and put thoughts around it. So I feel good about it. Yeah, I think you've done a lot of really incredible work in that space inside yourself. And I find it very inspirational and I'm sure many of our listeners will as well <laughs> inside yourself <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry okay i had to ruin well, it too vulnerable mind. too vulnerable no just kidding Ken I... is a fucking clown <laughs> <laughs> just kidding i appreciate that i hope i hope people feel that way as well and even if you don't want to question your own gender i hope 
you could see other people's genders more expansively. I thought you were going to say, I hope you can question everyone else. <laughs> I mean, hey, that too. Are you sure you're a dude though? Like real life? Really okay, but like, why you do you know that you're a man? <laughs> uh, well, thank you everyone for listening. Yes, thank you. If you have any thoughts or more questions, please reach out to us. You can email us at sexedpod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at sexedpodcast or on our website at sexedpodcast.com. Oh yeah, we have one of those we too. Have a website. We have a <laughs> newsletter as well. We do. At Substack. Yes, it's also Sex Ed Podcast. And, uh, and thank you. Okay, to the E, to the N, to the T. Mastering our sound. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it and love you. Bye. And bye. <laughs>